You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Trying something a little new. Going to try to get uh, an overload episode every week as an addendum to Tershaw Radio to talk about upcoming games. We're already doing our podcast uh, pretty much immediately following each week with a great recap with Myson and myself. Uh, but I figure we could start putting a little bit more together from the podcast forum to do some preview stuff. And so uh, in a couple of minutes, I'll be joined by Arif Hassan from Daily Norseman, the SB Nation site. Uh, for fans of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, we're going to talk Grand Vikings, Week 11. Hell of a matchup, two seven and two teams, NFC West, NFC North leading teams. Um, big road test for the Rams. Maybe the most interesting thing about it, and so the last couple weeks, uh, what the Rams have been dealing with were contests that uh, they were heavily favored in, that you could have called trap games, however you wanted to put it. The Rams were looking at games that they should have handled business, and for each of the last three weeks, that's exactly what they've done. Or really, the last four weeks, obviously, you had the buy in between. Uh, but against Arizona, and then after the bye against New York and then Houston, the Rams handled business, and they've gotten three big wins, and now they head into this stretch of the season where they're going to have to get a lot uh, more out of their roster, a lot more out of their offense, and even with this injury report, a lot more out of the depth. That's really what late-season football becomes about is strength of your 53-man roster and what you're able to do. Week 11, they're going to Minnesota. Week 12, they come back home against New Orleans, who's playing just as good as football as anybody in the NFL. Week 13, it's a road test against Arizona. Uh, already having given that home game up in London against the Cardinals. Now they got to go to Phoenix. That one's going to be a real interesting game. And then they come home for Philadelphia in week 14, which is going to have about as much hype as any game you'll find uh, across the league over this last month and a half. Then Seattle and Tennessee on the road before San Francisco at home. So it's a gauntlet. It's a really, really tough seven-game run uh, to finish the season for the Rams. And I think what's going to be interesting is to see how these performances change from what we've seen the last three weeks. Remember, before these last three, uh, the Rams had some tests. They had Jacksonville on the road, a very, very, very much improved Jacksonville team. Uh, Special teams was the hero that day. Remember, we got the two touchdowns, one on a return from Farrell Cooper, the other the blocked punt from Corey Littleton that Malcolm Brown was able to push into the end zone. The week before is the five-turnover game against Seattle at home. Uh, Didn't go well, obviously. We're going to have to see if we can fix that. And then the week before was the road test against Dallas. Uh, And 
you know, it, it's going to be a bit of a different challenge because Minnesota's no joke. They got a ton of talent, even with some injuries affecting their roster. Uh, but they make for an interesting challenge. So to help us break down some of that interest, I've invited Arif Hassan from Daily Norseman, the site for fans of the Minnesota Vikings, to come on and talk with us a little bit. Arif, what's going on, man? Yeah, not much, man. What's going on with you? I'm, I'm, what, what is going on with me? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling hopeful. I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling feelings that I haven't felt in a while. There's a lot of feelings to feel in November for Rams fans. What is this like? What is it like doing this more than once every 14 years? Is it as draining as it has been for Rams fans? Is it just a, Is it one of these things where you need to juice up in the summer for the annual dehydration come November and December? Is that what this is supposed to be like? Yeah, I don't know what a normal experience is for, for fans of, of teams without drama, but every time it seems like the Vikings are in it, there's some additional drama. It could be, you know, should we cheer for Brett Favre? You know, is it, you know, hey, you know, Christian Ponder's bad, Adrian Peterson's good, should we switch to Joe Webb? Uh, you know, right now it's is it Case Keen or Teddy Bridgewater. You know, it's I, I feel like most fans are like, yes, we have a good team, and that's the end of the story. And it, the thing that makes you guys so interesting is the 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 width, or I guess the the height of the roller coaster you guys seem to go on. You've got you know NFC Championship with Favre and Peterson, all the way down to three and thirteen with Christian Ponder, and then all the way back up to ten and six again, and then back down to five and ten and one. What is there a sense that maybe you guys under Zimmer have normalized this team? You haven't had a worse season than his first year when you went seven and nine. And obviously with all the turmoil at the quarterback position, which is my next question, does it at least seem like you guys are on sure footing regardless of what goes on in terms of injuries and bad play? Yeah, I think that he's really stabilized things a lot. Uh, I, I just feel like really unstabilizing things or destabilizing things are happening to him. I think more than uh, most teams, most years, uh, but you know, he's done a good job. Uh, keeping the the ship afloat. So yeah, it is kind of weird to <laughs> to be like, yeah, no, the season's a disaster. It's seven and nine. I don't know, but <laughs> it's um, it's it's you know, it's, it's good to have uh, that kind of stabilizing influence. So here's the interesting thing: is that obviously the biggest story going into this weekend. We're recording this Thursday afternoon, so if there's breaking news coming out, and I wouldn't be surprised if there is in the next. 30 hours as it stands the quarterback for week 11 is scheduled to be case keenum uh though i guess we could get a late decision what, what is what is going on right now with the quarterback position between case and teddy bridgewater uh, it seems to be a week-to-week uh decision which i think uh you know i think it, it makes sense it's understandable that you go with uh, case keenum for this game but also uh, it's understandable that you wouldn't commit to him being a starter for the rest of the season um, you know, you, you kind of get the feeling that um, the Vikings are just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with Case Keenum, and then they'll they'll fit Teddy Bridgewater in there. Um, but for now, you know, they they made their decision for the week. I don't think they're going to surprise anybody by just randomly starting Teddy in the middle of the game or anything like that. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's unusual because you know the decisions all make sense. You're just waiting for something to change the reasoning behind those decisions. Sure. Is there, is there any sense of what, what's the size of that shoe? Like we just saw Tyrod Taylor get bounced in Buffalo. And obviously when you've got coaches coming out saying, yeah, this is my guy. And then 48 hours later, 
they're getting bounced. It's hard to really feel comfortable, I guess, that there isn't a shoe that's going to drop. Is there any idea of what that could be? Is it? Do you think it'll be losses? Do you think it'll be performance? Do you have any insight as to what Zimmer actually might care about in terms of what's guiding that decision? I think it'll be performance. I feel like if Case does poorly in a win or does really well in a loss, they'll rather look at his performance instead of whether or not it was a win or a loss. I can't say that for sure. I mean, like when you get when you deal with like really old school coaches, sometimes you deal uh, with uh, with more binary sort of outcomes like win or loss. But I, that's my general sense that performance, even in a win, um, might be enough to to get him benched. Speaking of old school, what is with Mike Zimmer's glasses? This is the thing I'm interested in. He's got those Pete Sessions glasses. He's got those those old timey like cracker barrel glasses. You don't really find in many stores anymore. What is there? Is there something there? Well, yeah, he uh, he had multiple eye surgeries, man. He had um he, like his eye That's got right, broken in a Chicago Bears game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he had a couple of eye surgeries, and I'm pretty sure those glasses are specifically designed to to deal with his eyes. That makes a hell of a lot more sense. I was going to say, those are, those are very, what's the right <laughs> word? There's a certain kind of grandma-ishness to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it looks, uh, I think it undercuts his, uh, his intimidation. It does. It's for a reason. <laughs> there you go. That makes a lot more sense. I totally forgot about that. Um, what I didn't forget about is your offense. And even in the absence of Dalvin Cook and Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford, it's still doing pretty well, and obviously last week uh, had a huge game against Washington, and perhaps nobody's contributing to that more than Adam Thielen. What, what, how, how did he become this kind of player? Because obviously, uh, you know, four years ago, five years ago, you guys couldn't have anticipated that this was the kind of player he'd develop into. How has this happened, man? I mean, you know, sometimes the, there's not much of a better explanation sometimes than these things just do happen. Uh, and the Vikings kind of got a little bit lucky. I mean, it's a little bit of skill in terms of evaluation. They gave him a tryout. They didn't even give him an undrafted free agent contract, and he, uh, you know, played well enough that they were willing to to cut one of their undrafted free agents to sign him on to the 90-man. Um, so, you know, definitely props to them. But, you know, these things just kind of happen. It's very difficult to predict. If it was easier to predict, you'd uh, he would have been drafted, right? Um, so, yeah, I don't think anybody saw him as anything more than wide receiver four, uh, wide receiver five type material in terms of, you know, if he meets his full potential, you know, he'll be a really good special teams player, which by the way, he was an astounding special teams player. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, he'll contribute by providing depth for, you know, maybe six or seven years if he has a good career. Now we're talking about, you know, is he top five or is he top 10? You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and he's been kind of astounding because I, I feel like he's one of the reasons that, um, I think he's more of a reason that the passing offense is performing well than the actual quarterback, which is just kind of absurd to think of. First question, we talked about this on our podcast earlier this week. Arif, I'm I'm putting your personal integrity on the line. Adam Thielen was born in a place called Detroit Lakes. He went to a college called Minnesota State. Can you promise me that those are real places? Those are definitely real places. Minnesota State is in the city of Mankato, which I've been to multiple times. I got to I got to believe you. You're a man of your word and I'll have to take you at that. So, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you're part of the conspiracy too, Arif. I know I know the power of the Vikings skull <laughs> and all that. Um number 2, how, and I guess this goes into the idea that you just can't predict these kind of things, but he continues to grow as a player. 
where's the ceiling for him? I mean, we saw in week one, obviously, the performance against New Orleans, uh, nine catches, 157 yards, and then last week, eight catches for 166 and a touchdown. Is, do, you, do you think there's just more growth there, and it, this is just still there, – there's more to come? Uh, yeah. No, it's it's actually – it's difficult to, to draw up a very good player comparison for him, which always, like, limits your ability sure. to uh, to craft a ceiling – um, but you know he's he's a he's a really all round type of player. Like he doesn't win as much at the catch point, uh, you know, generally speaking, as DeAndre Hopkins. Although he's done that probably better than almost any other uh, receiver in the NFL this year. Um, but you know he's good at the catch point. You know he's not as good of a route runner as Antonio Brown, but he's a really good route runner. He's not nearly as athletic as Julio Jones or AJ Green, but he's pretty athletic and he's a very good deep threat. Um, someone tossed around a Larry Fitzgerald comp, which I kind of like. Fitzgerald's bigger and he's a better route runner. Um, but for the most part, you know, that's, that's pretty good. And so if you could say, uh, you know, Fitz is, is sort of the ceiling, you know, that's the Hall of Fame ceiling, but it feels like he's not, you know, out of reach of it. The only, the only problem is that, you know, he started really making a, a splash kind of relatively late into his career compared to a lot of these other receivers. Um, but, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's in – like, he, it's, it's difficult because you talk about all these great receivers – and you know what their calling card is. Julio's a freak. Antonio's an amazing route runner, you know, that sort of stuff. And Adam Thielen doesn't really have as much of a calling card because he's good at a lot of things, maybe the fourth or fifth best in the NFL at a bunch of different skills, but not really the best. And that's sometimes that's preferable, sometimes that's fine. Um, but, you know, that, that makes the ceiling hard to project, but it is really high. It's just one of those things that's amazing to me in 2017 for all the – the money and the technology and the infrastructure and the manpower that goes into identifying, you know, future labor candidates for this league that somebody like this can slip through and not just develop into a capable player, but quite clearly he's developing into to one of the best at the position. It's just unbelievable to me. Um, but one of the things that's helping uh, get you guys the ball to him as often as you can is that offensive line. Right now, Football Outsiders has you guys with the offensive lines ranked second in pass production, but 20th in the run game. Does that jive with uh, how you feel about the offensive line this far? Uh, a little bit. I, I think that Football Outsiders is overrating its pass protection a little bit, and I know they use an adjusted sack metric. It's pretty good. Right. Uh, and maybe uh, – Slightly underrating uh, the run protection. I'm. I, I think a lot of Vikings fans think the offensive line is a little bit better at run blocking than it, than I think it truly is. Um, but for the most part, uh, you know that's kind of where the strengths weaknesses are. It's. Uh, you know, I think it's tenth. I think in pro football focuses pass blocking efficiency, uh, and that speaks a little bit to how well the quarterbacks have been able to avoid pressures from being turned into sacks because the line will still occasionally give up pressures, especially up the middle, uh, which is going to be a huge problem this week. Um, but, you know, Keenum has been pretty good at uh, either throwing the ball away or, or finding open space to uh, to make his completion, prevent those sacks from happening. So he's get, they're getting a little bit of help, but it's definitely, you know, the biggest improvement. Before the season, you know, my hope was that the offensive line would be below average, right? It was like it was one of the three worst offensive lines in the NFL, maybe the worst, uh, and certainly worse than, you know, the any offensive line we saw in, like, 2007, 2008, 2009. Uh, and so the hope was, you know, with five, with four new starters and one starter being moved to another position, that uh, they would struggle for a little bit, but they'd largely be below average. Right now, it feels like they're above average, especially as pass protectors. Sorry, I had you on mute. One of my problems, I like to go on mute while I'm looking at stuff, and then I forget to turn it back off. And uh, that's part of the beauty of Show Radio as a live uh, podcast. Uh, a brief question. The, the defense has been the stalwart of the side for a while now. Is What's the hole 
Because it doesn't seem like there's an obvious one. You guys have names at every level. You got, you know, Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin up front. You got Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks at the second level. You got Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith in the secondary. If if you were attacking this defense, where are you going to attack it? Uh, I would. I mean, it's tough. I, yeah, I feel like it's you know it's a versatile defense that really allows you to deal with a wide variety of matchups. Uh, you know, uh, if you just go level by level, I would say attacking Tom Johnson in the run game, you know, he's been weak in that. He's been much better this year, which is weird to think of a, like a mm-hmm. 32 or whatever year old player improving. Um, but, you know, you attack him in the run game, that's probably the easiest place to attack uh, at the at the defensive line level. Uh, at linebacker, uh, Eric Kendricks is having just a little bit of, you know, uh, trouble this year uh, closing down on tackles. It's maybe the worst year he's had as a run defender. He's still pretty good in coverage. Um, but, you know, that allows you to rub the middle a little bit. Uh, Tom Linval just is pretty good. Um, but that's kind of where the weakness would be at linebacker, at cornerback. You have to figure out, you know, as Trey Waynes' improvement over the past, uh, you know, three weeks, four weeks, uh, is that genuine? Is it fluky? Um, has he really, you know, come into himself as a number two corner? Um, because, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, he was getting burned. He was, uh, like, bottom of the league in terms of yards allowed per snap and coverage, uh, pass rating allowed, and so on. Uh, he seems to be improved, but that, that's an area that you want to look at. Um, the slot corner position is it's a rotation between McKenzie Alexander and Terrence Newman. Sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they're not so good. Uh, and at safety, Andrew Sandeo, who's been improved every year, and I believe he's an above-average safety now when he started out as just a, a, a huge liability. Um, you know, he's a guy that you can kind of get behind and attack coverage on. So that's, you kind of have to attack some specific players, uh, and it's kind of an if-then proposition. You have to rely on the idea that, Eric Hendricks is playing poorly for the rest of the year. You have to rely on the idea that Trey Wayne has mm. not improved. Um, but for the most part, you've got, there's a lot of confidence, I think, with, uh, with every player on the defense. One of the narratives from our side is that you guys are the best team that we've faced in about a month. Our last three games against the Cardinals, who, you know, when Carson Palmer gets injured and Drew Staten comes in, that's a different Cardinals team. Face them before the bye. Then after the bye, we had the New York Giants and just had a Deshaun Watson-less Houston Texans team. So this is the biggest test for the Rams in about a month. How have you guys looked against quality teams and not necessarily the trap games or lesser teams that you face? What have you, how have you guys looked in the bigger contest that you need to get up for? To really evaluate how the Vikings have done against better teams because, you know, the best team that they've probably played um, you know, before Aaron Rodgers went out and, and the Green Bay Packers, it was probably the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, that's a game they got mm-hmm. blown out of that they definitely lost. Um, but that's, that game's also difficult because that was Case Keenum's worst game by a, a good margin, and I don't think it's because the Steelers' defense, you know, was uh, was uniquely good. I, I think it's because Keenum didn't have any preparation before the week. Sam Bradford took all the reps uh, beforehand. It was Case Keenum's first time with the offense uh, on game day, and I, I feel like you don't want to call it a fluke because you're always kind of waiting for this kind of performance from a backup quarterback, but it's not necessarily representative of, uh, of what he can do. Uh, after that, you know, there haven't been teams with like winning records. The best team that they've played is actually uh, Washington, um, you know, besides the Steelers. And, and I'm not going to count the Saints because the Saints the first two weeks way different than the Saints uh, for the rest of the season. Plus that was Sam Bradford. So probably the best team they've played is actually Washington and they haven't had, um, you know, that grueling uh, of, of a schedule in retrospect. You know, before the season started, everyone sure. thought Saints, Steelers, you know, Packers, you know, that's going to be bad. But this Washington team was one that they struggled with a little bit at the beginning and then they put away. There's some garbage time points that make the score seem closer than it is. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you know, they've, they've, they've risen to the challenge. So, you know, you've got a couple of tests, maybe the Detroit Lions, 
you know, where where they didn't do as hot as maybe they should have, and they've got one test where they where they absolutely did do a great job, especially coming from uh, back behind. And then you guys are going on the road for the next three after this one. What's the if there's a fan consensus of what you guys want to get out of these next four games, either record wise or performance wise, as you head into December? What's the feeling for where you guys need to be coming out of these games? Uh, the Vikings fans know that the Detroit Lions have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, and despite the fact that the Lions are a whole two games back in the division, um, the difference in the difficulty of schedule for the Vikings and for the Lions uh, is notable enough that it's kind of a worry. So they definitely want to come away with a win against the Lions specifically. Uh, and and over the course of the, that road trip, they're probably going to co- want to come away with one more win, if not two. Um, so, you know, they, they want to go 2-1 and one or 3-0. and oh. Obviously, everyone does. But I think in this case, um, there's like some context-specific stuff where if they win against the Lions, they've got just a really good shot at kind of easing into the rest of the division. That game is, is hugely important. Uh, and then, you know, they'll, they'll figure out the NFC seeding kind of later because, you know, you want to win your division first. Um, so that's kind of what they they want to get out of the next three games. Um, you know, we know that, you know, the, the the schedule kind of looks tougher than it is. The Bengals game, no one really knows who Cincinnati is, but that doesn't look like a tough game anymore. If the Falcons have actually figured themselves out, like it looked like they did this last weekend, you know, that's going to be a tough game. Um, but unless Aaron Rodgers comes back, you know, the Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears game are probably sure. not going to be um, that difficult. They'll probably, you know, need to find ways to stay focused, but, you know, with Zimmer at the helm, that's not a huge worry for me. I just love the the way division rivalries always crop up where, and I, I got to assume that's part of it. As a Vikings fan, when you look at the schedule and you see NFC West, NFC North, NFC South, NFC South, yeah, it's about the Detroit Lions and just twist that knife. They're, they're two games back. Their colors are ugly. Everything about them is just horrible. I can't stand them. <laughs> As a franchise, though, I mean, you guys are seven and two. It's Zimmer's fourth year, right, as coach. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What's what's the the sense like? Obviously, for us with Sean McVay, this is year one, year two in Los Angeles. We're just, it, it feels like things are taking off, and we're at the beginning of the beginning. Where are you guys at as a franchise? How do you feel about the the state of the union? Uh. It's uh yeah I, I think people are pretty happy with uh, sort of the long term viability of the franchise. The only real question is what's going to be uh, the answer of the quarterback situation next year. You, you sometimes you know in these situations you feel like um, you know the the window closing without a, a quarterback taking over. But for the most part, people are pretty confident. Mike Zimmer's a good coach. Um, you know he's got stuff that he needs to learn that's taking a little bit of time to learn in terms of game management, but for the most part does a great job motivating the team. He's learned a lot after the five and0 collapse from last year uh, and uh, and the team has kind of learned a lot too. So for the most part, there's a lot of confidence. Um, but there's some open, pretty significant questions that I think for right now, because the team is seven and two, Vikings fans are kind of sweeping under the rug. Uh, it's gonna be uh, super duper fun to debate about it during the off season. Super is going to be the optimal. Well, let, let me ask you this. If you had a feeling on how it's going to play out, uh, what, what's your feel? What are we looking at for the Minnesota Vikings come April 1st, 2018? Who's the quarterback? Uh, I think it's going to be Teddy. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, Case Keenum and Sam Bradford will find employment somewhere else. Uh, hopefully for Sam Bradford, um, you, you never know, like, how other teams are going to evaluate uh, his medical situation. Um, but, you know, they're, I don't think they're going to be on the roster. Case Keenum is going to be too expensive, which is just a weird thing to think. 
for the Vikings to re-sign him. So uh, I think that they've got a young developmental guy in Kyle Sloter, but I think they're going to make him compete against a draft pick, and then they're also going to get a veteran of some sort. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they'll tempt fate and, and get Ryan Fitzpatrick or something like that. Um, but uh, they'll, they'll probably get a veteran of some sort to back Teddy up. But I think Teddy is probably going to be the starter at the beginning of the year. Fascinating stuff. Hey, Arif, uh, for Rams fans that want to get info on the Vikings or just follow a normal, smart football person, where can they find your stuff? Well, I don't know where you can find a normal, smart football person, but you can find my stuff at on Twitter at NFL. Um, I, I, <laughs> I've also got, I did a podcast with you at the Daily Norseman. You can find that at dailynorseman.com. I also write for zonecoverage.com. Uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find my stuff. Arifus on NFL. What, what, was the, what was the term you guys used? Was it occasionally useful? It was, was that it? Yeah, useful human, yeah. Useful, useful human. Well, okay, maybe not the smartest guy. I don't know. Yeah, whatever you're self-deprecating. Humor requires, but hey, occasionally useful human Arif Hassan, everybody. Arif Hassan, NFL. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Arif, everybody. Go follow him. Arif Hassan, NFL. Great follow. Great work. More than just Viking stuff, too. He's a really, really good follow if you want to be a smarter, better football fan. Uh, Speaking of being better, smarter, more capable, Week 11, Rams going into Minnesota. That's what they're facing. It's a hell of a test. Uh, there's no reason to discount it. Uh, it doesn't mean that they can't win, but, you know, this is a staircase, and this is a significant step up in competition. This is not Houston, New York, or Arizona. This is a playoff-caliber team with a strong playoff-caliber defense that's going to take a playoff-caliber f- performance uh, from a first-year head coach, from a first-year collectively head coaching staff, a second-year franchise quarterback, and a lot of first-year Rams like Andrew Whitworth and Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods who are going to need to come up with maybe their biggest performance of the year. I mean, that's the kind of stakes that we're dealing with now as we sit here in the middle of November. It's time to turn up, and uh, there's no time to waste. Interesting stuff. Stay tuned. Churchill Times, we're going to have the injury report later today. Uh, we'll have final injury report coming out Friday. Team predictions from the staff. Bold predictions from Joey. Preview from Go Rams. Scouting report from Mycin, film preview from Tim. Uh, players to watch from you. It's all going down. Y'all know where to find us. Tertial Times. Holler at your boy. Hashtag Tertial Radio. Mycin and I will be back next week. Let's get it going. Go Rams. Looking for the sacks, I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. This limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the D.
even on special teams. I know how to rock from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night.
friend attacking him. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.